Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. We are exploring the digital revolution and the impact it is having on all facets of our lives, from business to personal to how we look at the world, how we're traveling, uh, education, and so forth like that. It's really a remarkable time. And we're delighted to have today one of our favorite digital all-stars, Bonnie Tinder, who's the founder and CEO of Raven Intelligence. Bonnie, welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. Thanks, Bob. So glad to be here. It's good to see you. And um, Bonnie, you know, it sounds like you've got some results of some interesting uh, research that's gone on here. And I know that that touches on so many things that are changing in the world today and the impact that, you know, technology is having on so many facets of our lives. So what are sort of the, the highlights there for you, Bonnie? What really stuck out? Yeah. So I thought it'd be interesting to talk a little bit about what we saw in quarter three, 2021, for um, our project benchmarks around uh, you know enterprise software implementations, and um, you know we know that there is a tremendous amount of growth happening. Uh, so many companies in the middle of digital transformation efforts, implementing new software and things like that. And so um, you know what. I did, and as well as my company, Raven Intelligence, did was to look at the quality and service delivery of projects, so that you know customers preparing for 2022 digital transformations can see sort of what happened in you know with with some very recent project success, and um, so you know all of the results that we have um, are based upon customer survey once they've completed a project and we ask them a series of questions about the project, how successful was it? Was it delivered on time, on budget and things like that? And uh, so essentially the, the data set that we have has over 1300 customer reviews um, that really inform us about some, some interesting trends. And so that's what I thought would be interesting to talk through um today with you bob but you know the big standout that um i thought was interesting was um this rate of team and people change on projects um i think that was significant it was a change that we saw even from q2 to q3 was this amount of churn that we had um on the project team and i think what we're seeing now is directly correlated to this idea of the great resignation happening in the in the broader world of work. Um, so I, I would say that, you know, in addition to some other, um, you know, interesting highlights, that was the, the big takeaway is that we're seeing more churn on people teams. Lonnie, that uh, that's striking because, you know, over the last several months at different points when uh, we've had our discussions here on Cloud Wars Live, you've really push this idea that it is so important, right? You can have the best technology in the world, but if the team's doing the implementation, if there's a lot of turnover, if you don't have the right mix of people in there, you know, the best technology in the world is not gonna overcome that. And now you're saying that, you know, with the dramatic changes in the workforce, you know, end to end today, uh, this is really coming in that, that that's gotta be, uh, that's gotta be, well, in some ways, every, anything from devastating to challenging to, um, just sort of nerve wracking for a lot of folks. How do they, how do you try to, how do they try to deal with all this, Bonnie? Yeah. Well, 
just to zero down and give you sort of a glimpse as to what's happening in the professional services realm. So many of these digital transformations are, are dependent upon a third party professional services firm or, or a consulting firm that helps uh, companies through these these efforts. And within that space, so if you were to look at the trends with that professional services just in general, they are the second highest industry with turnover. They're right behind retail, actually. And so this idea of them moving from organization to organization or you know, changing career paths entirely is um, is a significant um, you know sort of market current going on within this group, um, and so that's that's sort of the underlying cause to a lot of these you know people um, issues. And as you mentioned before, you know the success of projects depends on the team, and when you have a change on people, um, all of a sudden there's a lot of other challenges that come up knowledge transfer, team dynamics, you know, and, and things like that. And so anytime that you have these these changes, it's going to create sort of downstream impacts on a project. Most of the time they're going to go over time. Most of the time they're going to go over budget if, in fact, they had a change in the, the leadership of the project or the consulting um, assistance with the project. So the impacts of churn on a team not only affect you know the consistency of the project but many times lead to it going beyond the time and budget that was originally accounted for um that's not even to say you know what's the overall sentiment or feeling of a customer when that type of thing happens because you're getting used to a new resource maybe that resource is not a senior they certainly didn't start with you on the project so getting them up to speed on how things work and all of that Again, there's some significant, um, you know, issues that come into play when you're introducing new, new players um, on the team. And so, you know, I think the way for customers and and PS organizations and software vendors at this point to deal with those type of things is number one, as much as possible, you know, keep the team intact and you know, go with organizations that don't seem to have a lot of churn. You know, those are the organizations that treat their employees well, have a great culture, all those type of things. They're less likely to have churn on the team. Um, but, you know, the, the reality is right now, sometimes we just have to to sort of play the cards that were dealt, knowing that there is going to be a higher propensity for or possibility that team members are not going to be the same as as with those that you started. Andy, I wonder too if you know as part of that, uh, I I understand the term great resignation. What's going on there? But I I also think that that term implies that hey, you know, there's just you know millions of people just leaving the workforce. They're just going to go and you know go fishing or whatever it is that people aren't working do. And but it's it's. The great resignation is like step one, you know, so many, and I, I don't know the percentage, 80, 90, 95% of those people want to work. They just don't want to do the sort of work they were doing before. And I wonder how many of these skilled people will come in, maybe form a new sort of organization that can come in here 
and maybe say, if I could just clear away some of the BS from what I do, I really love working with clients and getting these projects up successfully. Have you heard about any bunny sort of uh, startups or new approaches that are arising from the sort of the other side of the great resignation? You know, it's interesting. I, I spoke this last week with um, a couple of consultants who left the consulting world just recently. And their main complaint, um, and this is almost going contrary to this idea of working remotely, but their main complaint was the fact that they were not able to travel anymore was actually something that they missed. They felt like it made their job 10 times more difficult because of the lack of travel. You know, they as part of being a consultant, they enjoyed that, um, you know, sort of lifestyle or work style. And with that all having moved to, you know, remote, they didn't feel the job was the same. And so that was a big reason that at least the consultants that I spoke to um, were getting out of it is because they felt like it was they were taking away part of their job satisfaction as well as their ability to do the job well. Um, I think that, you know, should that go back to more of a norm and, you know, that balance coming back in where they're able to do more of those face to face things that they really thrive on. It's almost like, you know, going back old school in these cases might reinvigorate some of that initial uh, passion. You know, I think in general, we're seeing projects delivered um, a lot, you know, a lot more remotely, um, you know, which has been a, a big shift in here. And I think, you know, creating more efficiency in that remote delivery is probably going to be what the future is, as opposed to you know, switching back to the on-site, um, you know, consulting that was done in the past. Fascinating, Bonnie, really is. And uh, that's, uh, you know, you've got something here uh, across, you know, overall the, the results that you've got, right? These aren't just anecdotal points that you're making. You've said you've got 1300 digital transformation reviews, which is fantastic. So if we'd set aside this notion of the churn and the the people turnover, Bonnie, what are some of the biggest reasons that you're hearing about of why projects haven't done well? Yeah, um, you know, I think another obstacle that we saw in Q3 was the rate of change orders that were assigned to projects as a result of the, um, you know, in some cases, the work not being properly scoped in the contract phase. Um, you know, about 42% of the, the time, the customer said, we, blame us, we got change orders, but that was because we changed the scope of the project or something that, you know, that, that we um, did that, you know, was not expected. You know, 39% of the time, uh, the projects were scoped well. So, you know, those are the, the ones that, you know, the project was scoped well and the customer didn't change their requirements, 39% of the time that was happening. However, with the, the, the bottom 20, those were um, the projects. If I had to look at the ones that had change orders due to a project being under scoped, um, either some or many change orders, we can 
really create a direct correlation between those and a negative satisfaction. Because when a project is not scoped properly and there's change orders, that immediately then tells me the project was late and over budget. And as soon as those two things creep in as a result of, hey, and it wasn't even our fault, that's when satisfaction is going to go, you know, and, and drop in the what we call detractor, um, you know, group. In general, if I look at Q3 satisfaction, the overall satisfaction with a project on average was about a seven and a half out of 10. And those clients that rated their project a six or less, nine times out of 10, that's, those are the, the customers that also had change orders as a result of underscope projects. So that was, that was sort of an, an interesting correlation um, between you know, the different aspects of projects. I would say the other um, you know, sort of things that we look at all the time um, is the on-time and on-budget delivery. And that doesn't tell us was a project successful, but it does. what it does tell us is within the framework that we had going into this project, did we, did we sort of you know, meet the time frame and the budget that we were given to do this work? And um, you know, we had on-time delivery around 62%. So 60% of the time you know, or, or so a project was delivered on time. 40% of the time though, that means the project was late. And you know, 20% of the time when it was late, it was two times the amount of time that was budgeted for. So um, you know, we ask how late was it? And, and so a significant portion of that 40% wasn't just a little late, it was a lot late. Um, the other uh, thing that we ask about is, you know, was it done on budget? 65% of these projects came in on budget, which is good. That's actually a little bit higher than we've seen in the past. Um, but when projects go over budget, so that additional, you know, the 35% bottom half of that, we see approximately 10% going four times over budget. So, you know, again, there's ranges when we say on, you know, over budget, how much over budget, and 10% of the time that was a significant amount over budget. Um, so again, those don't tell us was the project successful. On the other hand, they're sort of indicators of, you know, some of the other things going on. Wow. Uh, four times over budget, I guess some of those could be successful, but it would have, it would involves me interesting back and forth negotiations i think along the way right but hey yes i want to be sure to ask you about some of the pain points that you're hearing about over and over but first i just wanted to offer a word from our sponsor bmc bmc wants to know is your business on its a game that's when systems are intelligent by learning from markets where automation is paramount yet effortless and when technology and people work as one in an enterprise the a game is your business at its absolute best BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. Find out more at bmc.com slash A-game. So Bonnie, what are some of those areas where you, you continue to hear from people about frustrations or things that just aren't working right? Yeah. Well, I wrote down three significant lessons learned from customers this in, that we got in Q3. Number one, work to free up your internal project leader of other responsibilities. I personally underestimated our time commitment. And um, you know, I think that's a theme that we hear in other quarters as well. 
But, you know, the fact that a project leader has the role of that project along with their day-to-day -day responsibilities, um, you know, that's, that's significant. And as much as possible, you can free that person up to focus solely on the project, I think is, is important. That will ensure the project is completed timely. I think number two, um, and this uh, was from a, a, another customer who said, this was our first time using a third-party implementation partner. It was actually a refreshing experience, especially with little face-to-face -face interaction due to the pandemic. So in that case, you know, having a uh, consulting partner along for the journey, it was a significant positive for them or lessons learned. So, um, you know, the, you know, many, many times we see success as a result of the, the third party team that was chosen. And then finally, ensure that your project lead has the capacity to commit to the project full time. Implementation is not for the faint of heart. Here again, going back to this idea of bandwidth and setting your team up for success, knowing that if you're going to be doing a digital transformation, you need to not only budget the dollars and the time for it, but know that you know some of the other priorities that you have are going to take a backseat or should take a backseat to getting your digital project up and running. So those were the, the three significant ones that, that we saw in Q3. Uh, Bonnie, that's uh, that's wild, and I think the the rate of change at which companies are going through upheavals and doing things differently, and all, it's probably going to be even more challenging. Uh, you know, to your your first point there about ensuring the project leader is freed up from her or his regular responsibilities to be able to do that. But the way things are changing so much now, um, that that'll be a challenge. So all this expertise and counsel that you know you're gathering at raven intelligence it just seems like uh it's going to be more important than ever for companies to get this so as we look ahead to 2022 uh if i guess it's one of those cases if hey if we thought this year was nutty uh and it was um what's 2022 going to look like for for you know clients or customers who are looking to to adopt some of these projects that you've been describing here what would you advise them about yeah um yeah i think number one first and foremost is really know your why um know have a clear project outcome um that you can tie back to a defined business goal i mean that seems like an obvious one but you'd be surprised how much of the time that's unclear so really know your why and make sure that your entire team it knows the why and is behind that as well um, number two, your team is going to make or break your success and trying to ensure that you have as little change in that people equation as possible is really important. Knowing that, you know, the great resignation and the rate particularly of change within the professional services industry is, is going to be a headwind for you. So your team is going to make and break or break your success. Pick your your best people, um, pick your best partner, and then don't change the team um, if at all possible. Uh, number three, you want to you want to control what you can control, um, and sort of let everything else go. But things that you control 
are, you know, being able to clean up your data ahead of time before you start. Make sure that you have a way to systematically manage your project throughout and that you have um, a very clear timeline and that you're keeping that timeline updated. Um, and, you know, those simple sort of project hygiene type of things really make a big difference um, in the success of the project. And then finally um, is this area of integrations and you know every single project that you have is going to touch another aspect of your business and another system um, don't underestimate the fact that integrations are not always seamless they're rarely seamless they can take longer than expected and they can be problematic so the fewer integrations that you have the better uh the less spaghetti the less mess we always say and um you know you want to make sure that you're not just taking your vendor at their word that the integration with some other system is quote unquote seamless because once you get peel back the onion and are in the middle of the project lo and behold that seamless is you know two fields as opposed to what you really need so make sure that you budget time money and the right resources to integrations and so that your system will um you know talk to everybody else that you need it to hey bonnie you know last question i i wanted to ask you about it and it's great that you you touched on this some um, in in your last response i wanted to ask about the software vendors right you've talked about the the churn among the professional services firms and all that what are the software vendors doing or what do you feel they should be doing to help get out in front of some of these changes? What, what's their role and responsibility, especially for you know people listening who have projects underway or scheduled for 2022 and wanna know how do I get the best shot at getting this done right? Yeah, well, I would say software vendors have their own issues in dealing with uh, team churn and hiring. So they are not immune to this idea of um, you know the great resignation. Um, I think what's important for software vendors and for customers to know about the software vendor is that they are um, aligning with third-party you know, implementers or partners that don't have a significant amount of change um, and that they're keeping cognizant of you know, what's going on um, within those organizations as well so they know what who the best partners to recommend are that are not going to be constantly turning out um, their their team resources. So I think that's really significant. I think for customers, you know, ask the hard questions during the selection phase. You know, what percentage of the time does your project team change, and can we have contractual, um, you know, obligation for you to keep project resources intact. Um, you know, some of those simple questions really do help ensure that, you know, if there is going to be a project uh, team change that, you know, you're sort of keeping them on the hook to making sure that they're um, doing their diligence to, to make sure that that doesn't impact you personally. Wow. Well, Bonnie, great stuff. Um, thank you for sharing a lot of these insights from Raven Intelligence's Q3 study. Uh, always good things going on. And Bonnie, I wanted to ask you if um, I, I know that often on your board behind you, you've got like the, a phrase for the day or the week. Um, if there wasn't there, I wondered, gee, for some of these professional services firms, and maybe it would be 
you know, if it wasn't for bad luck, I wouldn't have no luck at all. <laughs> uh, I, that one I should put up there. That's a good one, Bob. You know, it's it's funny. It's early November. Um, and so I was thinking this month of like, creating my board to be a gratitude board, all the things that I feel, you know, very grateful for, um, just because, you know, tis the season. Um, but I like your quote too. <laughs> well, it's gratitude, uh, but of a pretty thin kind, right? <laughs> I'm, I don't have the bad luck, I wouldn't have any. But uh, I just thought for, you know, from Chicago, famous old blues line that uh, that would fit in. I like it. I like it. Well, Bonnie, thanks so much. It's always a, a great real world check hearing from you and what's going on and what you're finding out at Raven Intelligence. These are wonderful insights and uh, thanks so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Thank you, Bonnie. And folks, thanks to all of you for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. Bonnie is back with us every month sharing some fantastic insights from her peer review company, Raven Intelligence. Hope it's uh, November's off to a great start for you. We'll see you soon.